Hello, how are you today? Thank you for downloading this episode of Extra Healthy-ish. This is the podcast from Body and Soul. I am your host, Felicity Harley. I'm talking today to Dr. Anna Machin. Now, she's an evolutionary anthropologist from Oxford University in the UK. She's a writer and a broadcaster, and she has done a very interesting TEDx talk about fatherhood. But today... Well, she's going to talk to us about love. She has spent her research life exploring the science behind our closest relationships, and she's just written a fascinating new book about it all called Why We Love. She joined me via Zoom from the UK to talk about all things love, the science behind why we fall in love, how it's very unfeminist, and the importance of our relationships for health and well-being, because we always need a reminder how important it is just to nurture those people who are close to you, who make you feel good, who boost your well-being. Anna, thank you so much for coming on Extra Healthish all the way from the UK. What's it like over there at the moment? Do you know what? It's really sunny and warm, but apparently it's going to get really cold next week. So obviously we shouldn't get too used to it. Oh, well, embrace it while it lasts, right? (laughs) (laughs) Now, I ask this of everyone who comes on this podcast. How do you stay extra healthish in your life? Uh, I do a lot of yoga. I have three dogs, which have to be walked a long way every day. So I probably walk about five miles a day with them. Uh, I love a bit of gardening. And obviously, as a proponent of the importance of relationships, I spend a lot of time hugging people. Oh, tell us about hugging. What you do? You just walk <laughs> up to someone and give them a hug, or no? I was gonna say, okay. Um, no, well, we so okay. When you are interacting with people, you get a release of wonderful neurochemistry: uh, oxytocin, dopamine, beta endorphin, and serotonin. And we know from from lots and lots of research now that the biggest factor in your long longevity, in your mental and physical health, in your general life satisfaction, is the nature of the relationships you have with other people. So if you have really lovely, healthy, strong relationships, you spend a lot of time with people, a lot of personal interaction, a lot of touching, a lot of talking, a lot of laughing, then that is more important to your health than, for example, quitting smoking or maintaining a good weight or doing a lot of exercise. So one of the things I think we really underestimate in terms of well-being and health is the importance of our, of our relationships and just spending time with people in a really lovely, relaxed atmosphere. And giving them a hug. And giving them a yeah, hug, yeah. Exactly. T- Obviously, appropriate touching, um, not random touching. um, But yeah, hug, physical contact is really important. I think that's a really good point because often we get so busy and so caught up with work or I've got to get to the gym or I've got to do this or whatever it may be that we actually forget the fundamentals of good health and well-being is in the people around us. Absolutely. absolutely. Humans have evolved to be very touchy, to be very uh, interactive with each other, and it's all based upon our health and our survival. So that's why it's so important. Now, we're talking about romantic love. Well, I'd like to tackle this one. Can you tell us why we actually fall in love? Is it just these chemicals that you talked about before? I mean, why? Why do do we do this? (laughs) Love is is a really, really complex phenomenon. That's partly why I wanted to write the book, because I think in the past people have tried to reduce it down to one answer, what it is. And actually, it's a layers and layers of different things with increasing complexity. So, yeah, at the absolute basic level, love is about survival. We need each other to survive. And the neurochemistry that's released when you interact with someone you love or when you're attracted to somebody um, is there to make sure that you do form these really survival critical relationships. I kind of call it biological bribery. It's like a little treat to make sure you do it, even though it's really, really tough sometimes to get along with people. But on top of that, love is many other things. So, yes, when we're first attracted to someone, it's an unconscious drive. 
Um, it's an instinct, but then very quickly your brain will kick in your conscious brain. And if you think about all the different things you consider when you fall in love with somebody, like, what are they saying? Do I find them funny? You know, uh, do we have something in common? What will my family think? What will my friends think? You know, are, is this the right person at my stage of life? You know, do they want kids? Do I want kids? You oh, know, all it's these all different the questions, isn't it? <laughs> questions that come in when you are attracted to somebody. So it's really complicated. And so in the book, I actually give you 10 answers to the question, what is love? And they're all right, but... Uh, Standing alone, none of them is enough of an answer. So I hope by reading it, people understand how complex. And no, it's not just a biological instinct. It's affected by, you know, our society, by the rules we might have if we're religious or political or whatever it might be, where you grew up. You know, we have genetics involved, psychology involved. Yes, neurochemistry, neural uh, basis of love. So there's lots of different things that come into it. And obviously also all the different types of people or contexts in which you can experience love. So instead of the social determinants of health, which they talk about (laughs) contribute to your health, it's the social determinants of love, really. Yeah, um, it is, yeah. Yeah, I I really like the bit in the book where you talk about the voice, the sight and the sense and how they contribute, you know, how your body, the body physiology actually contributes. And you write it's all very non-feminist. Can yes. you just talk us about talk us through what you mean here? Okay, so our our reproductive behavior is obviously incredibly ancient, and we share it with all the other animals on Earth, which have uh, you know heterosexual relationships, who have sexual relationships, and basically, men and women bring different things to to the party. So, women bring their womb, essentially. That's what you bring. You bring That's your lucky. womb, and you, go, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? And then bring protection and provision. So to protect you and to provide with you. And this all evolved a really, really, really long time ago. Okay. At least half a million years ago. And in that environment, if you think women, there was no contraception. So women were either pregnant and or breastfeeding and had lots of toddlers. And so at that time they were really vulnerable and they needed protection from the male to make sure everyone survived and provisioning because they couldn't go and get their own food. And that's the basis on which we still select our mates today. So men in heterosexual relationships will look for those signs of fertility and those signs of youth from the woman. And a woman will look for the signs of protection and provisioning from the man. And that's really unfeminist, isn't it? Let's face Absolutely. it, because we all go, need protecting. <laughs> exactly. I don't need provisioning. And that's very true. In the last 100 years, women have become financially independent. We can buy our own stuff. We can pay for our own protection. We can we have babies it. with a we sperm donor. <laughs> We don't know this. However, evolution is really slow. Okay. So the blip of time in which that's been possible for women is just not enough to impact that selection behavior. The other thing is feminism is marvelous, but the majority of women in the world are not touched by it. Yeah, absolutely. So until we see it being a widespread phenomenon and we see all women being in that position, the way we choose our mates instinctively will not change. We'll be back after this short break with more from Anna. News doesn't have to be boring. The Brits have given Prince Harry a new nickname after yet another tell-all interview. Oh, God, is it the ginger winder? (laughs) Let the team at news.com.au get you up to speed each day with their podcast from the newsroom. A couple were busted joining the Mile High Club. Well, I guess they can't fly virgin anymore. Politics, sport, red carpets, royals. Get all the goss in just a few minutes. Follow from the newsroom wherever you get your podcast from. What about some trends that you've seen in the past, say, a few decades? And how's the pandemic, how's love changed in the pandemic? What have you witnessed in this period? And, I mean, is it a downgrading of romantic love? Do we realise that we 
has our love got deeper in some ways or perhaps we've more of us have got divorced? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about the divorced. What I'd say the pandemic, I think, has done for us is remind us how important our relationships are. I think the one thing we all really struggled with during the lockdown was not seeing each other yeah. and not being able to talk. And obviously we could Zoom each other, but we all felt that wasn't the same. It's like this void, this slight ache in your body. And that's reminding us that actually human relationships, A, are really critical to you and B, need to be done in presence of the other person to really, really get the benefits of them. So I think it reminded us maybe how much we need each other. These days we rely on so much technology and we think, oh, we can do all these things efficiently with our technology and everything's moved on. It hasn't. Humans still really, really require each other and they need to be with each other in a room. You know, our brains haven't evolved away from that with all these screens. You know, my brain doesn't understand this screen that we're talking across. Yeah. And the actual ache, that physical ache, was your body not getting that neurochemical hit that it needed. So I think actually what it's reminded us maybe is to treasure those moments when we're together. Yeah, Because absolutely. they're taken away. I think we really psychologically and physiologically feel that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I have a sister who lives in Canada. I didn't see her for two years. I saw her after two years and it was amazing I, in hindsight how much I realised that I really missed that connection, that in-person connection because that's the thing that truly nourishes the relationship. Absolutely. Yeah, we know that the relationships which are maintained just across the screen decay quite fast. So it's really important that we have that physical contact. Oh, that's a good reminder to everyone who's sitting there on their phones yeah. <laughs> DMing each other. Now, you yeah. also make a really important point, I think, out of the book, or perhaps this is the whole point of the book, is that we need to appreciate all those other areas of love in our lives, not just focus on the romantic love. Where are we going wrong with romantic love in many ways? know whether we're necessarily going wrong i think it's an important form of love but it's not the most important right, form of yeah. love what we've done is we've built this little hierarchy for ourselves and it's driven partly by you know what our media is telling us and by the massive dating industry which is billions and billions of pounds a year um and that we place romantic love at the top of the at top of the little pyramid and everything else is below it it's not like that it's actually flat no form of love is more important or more powerful than any other it's just the message that we've been given is that romantic love is more important. And actually, part of the idea behind the book was to remind everyone how much there is love in other areas of our lives. You know, romantic love might not be your gig, which is fine. I really get that. So, you know, look to your friends, look to your family. You know, there's parental love. There's there's love of, you know, religious love, which is really important to some people. There's, there's love of our pets, of our animals. There's love of the community. You know, there's so many different forms of love and they're all equally powerful and they're all equally important and they all benefit you just as much as each other. In fact, if you look at friendship, in a way, friendship benefits you more because first of all, often your friends are, you have some friends who will have been around longer than your romantic partner. Absolutely. And second, you know, particularly for women, that friendships are more emotionally intimate then often their relationship with their partner. So they will keep something emotionally intimate back from their partner, but they will, you know, reveal all that to their best friend. So I think our friendships are a real source of relaxation, of non-judgment, of really truly being yourself. And I think sometimes we forget that. So I'm always one for really promoting friendship love and saying, you know, gather those friends around you. Because they'll Cause be ultimately with you. They, they are a really important part of your life. How would you like to see the collective narrative change around love? Is it is it just, hey, listen, it's not just about romantic love. There are, let's value all these other people in our lives and these relationships. 
Uh, yeah, it is. But I think it's more than that. I think it's about trying to really um, understand what love is, what it does in your brain, how important it is to you to have those healthy love relationships in your life. I think, I think people dismiss how negative a poor relationship can be and how powerful a good relationship can be. And I think we need to help people more who struggle with that. I mean, my work ultimately is done to help people who don't have good relationships in their lives, particularly children who were brought up in neglectful environments. And then if you're brought up in a neglectful environment, quite often you struggle later in life to build good, healthy relationships. So the idea behind the work I do and my colleagues is to develop interventions to help those people to help them go back on the track of a good relationship. So I think we need to really understand why it's so critical um, to that. I mean, I was reading something the other day about, yeah, good health and self-care and all, not all these different things about how you can have good health. And not once did somebody say relationships. Yeah. Just embrace your relationships, be with people. That is that is a, a, an amazing natural medicine. Um, so I think it's really helping people understand how critical it is. I know we say, you know, we get sold sheet masks and candles and foamy baths and go and sit in that for 20 minutes. But really you're better off just going and having a coffee with a friend for 20 minutes. Having a good laugh, you know, or, you know, going dancing or whatever it might be. You know, we know all of these things are massive releases of this wonderful neurochemistry that, that underpins your immune system and really, really buffers your, your mental health. Have you got any tips on how to build better relationships? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, and it's based upon the neurochemistry and the understanding of what happens in the brain. So first of all, yeah, be present. So be in the same room. If you are comfortable with it, something called um, emotional disclosure is good. So you know that people who are more happy to be more emotionally um, open with their with the person they're in the relationship with. So sharing your deepest, darkest thoughts and fears and fantasies that brings people closer together. Um do something that generates all this neurochemistry together. So it could just be having a coffee and laughing a lot. We know beta endorphin is released by laughter, by touch, by dancing, by singing, by doing exercise. All of these things release beta endorphin, which is the basis of long-term human love. So go to a comedy night together, go dancing, you know, yeah, or just sit there and just have a massive laugh with each other. And all of those things release beta endorphin, which really shore up your relationship. When people say to me, how can I make sure my first date goes as well as it possibly can? I always say to them, do a behavior that releases beta yeah, endorphin. Yeah, do something fun. Do something fun because that will make the person uh, be closer to you, be more trusting of you and be more open with you. And that's going to give you hopefully a bit of a head start with your date. Great tips. What does love look like in your life? What is it? And what, how does love feel to you? i got lots of love in my life. So I've got a husband and two daughters. Uh, I have my parents are still alive. So my family, um, my, I'm a massive animal lover. Oh yeah. Three dogs. Yeah. My ultimate dream is to be a zookeeper. Um, (laughs) I'd give up everything. Um, so I have three dogs. I have two rabbits, four guinea pigs and two gerbils, which aren't really mine. They're my daughters, but, um, so we have a lot of animals in our lives. Animal is really powerful. And I do a lot within the community. I live in a small village. Um, so yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of love there surrounding me. I'm really happy. And obviously all my friends, my best friend lives in LA. So I know what you feel like with your friend and your sister, sister in Canada. Yeah. Two years. So that's a bit tough and I'm hoping to go this year, but yeah, you know, I'm really lucky. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and reminding us of the importance of love. Thank you. Those three tips she gave for better relationships, they're so simple, but often it's the first thing to go, isn't it? 
catching up with our friend when we're overwhelmed with life when it should be the one thing we need to do to boost our well-being anyway if you want more from anna her book is called why we love if you want more from us remember extra healthy ish publishes a new episode for your wonderfully healthy ears every morning monday to thursday for more head to bodyandsoul.com.au or join the conversation via body and soul on instagram or facebook thanks again for tuning in and if you have a moment we'd be so grateful if you could rate review and subscribe to this podcast and until tomorrow stay extra healthy-ish I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts.